I'm Terence Sticks. Welcome to Who's on Target. Welcome to Who's on Target, the podcast where we discuss the target range of classic Doctor Who books from the 1970s and 80s. If you missed Doctor Who on TV in those pre-DVD days, you missed it forever. Unless, of course, you bought the Target novelization. So, jump aboard the TARDIS, set the time rotor for late 20th century Earth, and join us as, with a wheezing, groaning sound, we discuss, analyse and reminisce who's on Target. Welcome to Who's on Target from Michael in Swansea. Hello there. Welcome to Who's on Target from Alex in Exeter, Devon. Hello. I'm Greg from Swansea and welcome to Who's on Target. Our look at the Target Doctor Who novelizations of the 1970s and 80s. And it's a very special welcome today for our very first episode where we thought it would be appropriate to look at one of the very first Doctor Who stories, Doctor Who and the Daleks. Or, if you want its original title, Doctor Who in an Exciting Adventure with the Daleks. Alex, you came to Target Books as a youngster in school. I believe that a trolley used to be brought round by your teachers and that's how you first discovered this range of Doctor Who books. The thing was, with, with, my, with my, I think it's, it's the Moonbase with the, the Sideman one, and it just looked brilliant. So I, I got that and then read that in about two days and I was allowed to get more books, so I just carried on from there and I got all the, like, I had the William Hart ones first and then the, the Pack of Trout ones. Like, uh, mobile library come around like once a week and they said you could choose like eight books and, like, on the, the episode in front of you, basically. You had, yeah. You, you had, you know, the way they were laid out so it was so well written I think sometimes I mean, the books were better than the episodes I agree with you yeah. thunder in your head really Th- that's fascinating Alice you've got a very similar experience I-, I remember you know like you say they were better written than the episodes could be sometimes yeah, some, of them, yeah. some of them were I think yeah because then when we came to see, you know, the episodes uh, years later. They they could often be a disappointment because some yeah, sometimes because you had yeah. what you had in your head from the book. I I remember several some spectacular monsters and so forth, and then. <laughs> no, when they came to when they came like the ones with the um, the Abominable Snowman and the Web of Fear and that in the tunnels. It, oh yes, yes. It looked a bit basic when it came to the TV version. You could see there wasn't yeah. enough money to do anything spectacular back then. Do you have memories of that specific one? You know, I mean, we've listened to the audio by William I'll Russell. What, yeah, I listened to it because luckily they had it on when they had the 50th anniversary. It's one of the things Radio 7 had on. Oh, oh brilliant. Right. Also, given the old title, four extra, I mean, um, had on all night. They had on it for a whole six hours all night. So wow. That is impressive. They played Which the recorded them then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did the whole thing. They basically, you had two options. They did like um, a bit every night, or you could have gone crazy like I did on the Saturday night. Without the whole thing in for six hours. Wow, that's that's commitment for you. Well so, done. So, so can I ask, Alex? Is that what you did? You 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 just you sat down and listened to the whole thing straight through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did oh. that way. That's given us an even more interesting perspective, really, because me and Greg have generally listened to it in chunks. Like I've been going to work in the morning and had yeah. various chapters of it on the MP3 player. I've, I, it seems to work both ways. If you listen to it a chunk, or 
you listen to it all in one go. Do you want to tell us um, what, what's your initial impression then of it, um, Alex? What, well, what I, did you think? I, I really, William Russell reads it really well. I, yeah. I really, I really liked it because it gives that really good impression of the background to the Daleks and their sort of history and their sort of, you know, we don't get more of that till Tom, of course. It, no, it gives yeah. you a good idea Very of true. what their sort of internal struggle is and why they're, you know, so crazy, basically. Yeah. And I, I like it the way that, you know, it sort of really introduces you well to the companions, you know, and, you know, the Doctor, the first sort of Doctor we don't really know much about. It, it's a really good starter, I think. I think you yeah, have discussed this with Greg as well, and it's a very sort of more sinister opening, isn't it? It's very oh, yeah. movie-like yeah. with Barnes Common and the it's Mist. Very and... cinematic. Think about it. It's very cinematic. <laughs> and the fact that you know Ian and Barbara don't know each other in this version, do they? You know, yeah. it's... No, they don't. Yeah. It's just teachers who sort of semi-know each other, I think, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. That's something we were, we wanted to bring up as well. Was um, the the opening um, of Doctor Who and the Daleks is different yeah. to the opening of the TV series. It comes after an unearthly child, isn't it? So the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the team's already established to an extent in the TARDIS. Oh, yeah, you know, Ian and Barbara do know each other. They just, uh, yeah, they yeah, just, yeah. they just materialise on Scarrow at the end of Unearthly Child. So. Yeah, yeah. I think I said to Greg before, it is sort of more cinematic. You can see it working. Yeah, more oh, yeah. as a movie if they ever sort of rebooted it. Definitely, God definitely. forbid. Yeah. yeah. Never know these days, though. No, but I, I think um, because, of course, for for many years, you know, um, after the initial one was shown, you could, you could take this the novelization, and it would be perhaps what people would think would be the actual original opening of the series. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The potential is it? I mean, that first episode of Unearthly Child is so tense. Anyway, it's a super, oh, yeah, totally. it's a super oh, yeah. bit of television. It's almost like you get to the cliffhanger at the end, and it, it's. The TARDIS has materialised out of space, and the le- next three episodes are a bit of a letdown. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were a bit because there's so much goes on in that first episode, and they yeah. do a bit of a breather after that, and then it's like yeah. the next three are sort of explaining the people on the planet. That really isn't it. it sort of doesn't have the greatest cliffhanger. I think two, three, and four. But a lot of fans have said, yeah. you know, in the last fifty years, that it could have been better if they just gone straight to Scarrow. Yeah, you know, which they do in this novelisation. But I think, arguably, they make the beginning even better than the TV show. Yeah, it's borderline for me. They're both superb bits, bits of art, but well, I think I, I from for my money, I think what you said there, Mike, is the, is the essential one, which is I would prefer what's happened in the novel, which is really that they've taken a, an equivalent of an unearthly child oh, and yeah. and yeah, and added it in to to, to the Daleks. I think so, and then there's that um, the added tension of there being a sort of crash and some a lorry driver isn't it? Or someone has died on the yeah. road. And that's yeah. just a sort of it's pulls you in further. It's very grim opening, isn't it? You, you used the word grim the other day, mate, didn't yeah. you? And I think that I think that's a good description of it. It's, it's grim. It's atmospheric. That m- swirling mist. The mystery. It's how it should be. It's got that sort yeah. of very sort of Victorian crime feel to it. Oh yes, yes that's a good, yeah, good yeah, analogy. That is actually Alex. Yeah, that's a. Re- it's got that yeah. sort of you know sort of Arthur Conan Doyle you know you know sort of Sherlock Holmes feel. I think the beginning bit. But then I I think again then when when we introduced to the first Doctor he is utterly Hartnell though in that book yeah, because. Yeah, totally. but, Interesting if it had just been a novel and Doctor Who had never taken off on television, you know, what sort of perception we'd have of him, but yeah, you see it as Hartnell, possibly because, you know, William Russell worked with know, him, and he's got the know, voice down well in the audio recording. You know, what the do- you know what the Doctor is, William Hartnell, because, of, you know, we've seen it, and you know in your head it is William Hartnell. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing, if you'd just seen the book and didn't have, you know, the actual actor in your head, I wonder if it would work 
differently. Yes, that that's interesting actually. It's uh, because like like you say, it, it is it's it's got that boy's own feel about it, isn't oh, it? But yeah, totally. It's got that sort of Ryder Haggard sort of outlook to it. It's, it's an adventure. It's like three people go into space, and this is what happens to them basically. Yes, yeah, and and I love that about it. But yeah. I think it's it's interesting though because going back to what we were saying earlier, three Doctor Who books published yes. in the nineteen sixties, which was I think the Daleks, the Crusaders, uh, possibly okay. Dalek Invasion because that's one of the most popular ones, isn't it? Dalek Invasion. Well, it might, Do you think? Was it Marco Polo's? That's another big one, isn't it? I could, well, we might have to consult yeah, the yeah. consult the internet gods for that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yes, we'll have to. Or, or if anybody can correct us, please yeah, please, uh, please add in the comments below on this yes, podcast definitely, definitely. page. And you can you can see that there's a big difference in the style of this. I mean, this story was written by David Whittaker, and I think, oh, totally. yeah, and he's really got that, um, like you say, that that feel about it, the atmosphere, the boy's yeah. own adventure, the Victoriana oh, about so it. So he's got it down to a T. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very well written. Definitely written of its time, isn't it? Mm. Oh, totally. It's got that. It's definitely got you know that sort of. 1960s filter it. But I'm wondering, as a Doctor Who fan, you know, if you speak to a lot of people about the 1960s, they yeah. will immediately think the Beatles, Carnaby Street, lots oh, of yeah. colours. Mm. That's as the 60s moves yeah. on. But I think if you ask us as Doctor Who fans, it's very grey, isn't it? It's yeah. that November it's, evening. Most of the early Doctor Who still have that feel when it's not swinging London. It's still yeah. late 50s, still got a bit of war, World War Two to it, I think. Yeah. 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 And then I call the analogy then of the Daleks, of course, with the Nazis, which oh, is often yeah, spoken about. It's always the theory, wasn't it? We were talking, it's in the TV show as well, about the yeah. arrival on Scarrow. And I think it's Barbara yeah. sort of picks up the piece of crumbling fauna, doesn't she? Yes, he does. And um, that's that's so evocatively written, I think. It's so... Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think it's just so, I mean, like you say, evocative. It's atmospheric. It's got that post-apocalyptic nuclear feel about it. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, it has that um, feel of, you know, the planet's dead. It, yeah. It's not going to live for much longer. It just feels like, you know, something has happened. And you, you get you get the sort of good setting from those first couple of pages, the way you are and how it's been affected, I reckon. Right up to before they discover the Dalek City, you know. It, it's yeah. a great story, isn't it, do you think? The era of menace in the TV episode, which possibly you can't get in the novel, is that cliffhanger, you know, with the Dalek stalk, the oh, first yeah. time we see it, isn't it? Yes. Possibly, yeah. I can't really remember... It doesn't stand out for me from the audiobook how they describe that, you know. No. I think it's done slightly better in the TV of the audio with that bit there. Ah. Yeah, one other thing we were wondering about, Alex, was um, Greg mentioned it earlier on. You wanted to say about the language, the old style language, some oh, words yeah. which might have died out, I mean. Yes. Did, did you find any examples of that, Alex? Definitely sort of language from that period what sort of we don't use any longer. And there was one specific word, Greg, you said you, you, you loved here and again. Yeah, and it was vials. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. It's all over the place, isn't it? It's like, in the way they say it. Yeah. Because I can even remember being in, because that's, I think that said, my biggest memory of the Daleks, probably those stories, is the Peter Cushion films. Oh, yes, yes. And yeah. I remember being in school, and I never referred to, like, little things as test tubes. They were vials, and that's probably where I first heard it, yeah. Yeah. And I've always called them vials. Yeah. But now it's, 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 a, it's a word, a description you don't hear anymore, isn't it? You know, it's, it's uh, gone out. Of lang- it's, yeah, it's gone out of language, definitely. Yeah. I also love, uh, again, this is David Whittaker's excellent writing. He describes the Dalek city, when we see it from a distance, as, uh, I'm not quoting exactly, but it's a Frank Lloyd Wright city which oh, has yeah. been destroyed and built and destroyed. I thought that was a great description. Oh, it's just brilliant. 
Melbourne, isn't it? It's just, you know, he's, you just imagine that city's been there for years and, yeah. you know, it's been destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and again it gets, yeah. think, like, things like Genesis of Daleks, it gets rebuilt again and blown up in that, doesn't it? So it does leave you with a feeling that perhaps a TV show, I know, I suppose you've got to look at, the Daleks goes on TV into the edge of destruction, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And they more or less just leave yeah. Scaro and it's not that tense. But because this is yeah. the first story on audiobook, there's a lot of tension built towards the end. You know, Ian is sort of very reluctant that he's been put yeah. into this situation still at the end of the story, isn't he? At the end of the audiobook. Yeah. Did you think? Did you think they sort of run? You know, because they had to work up the TV thing. They sort of slightly ran out of steam at the ending. Before we get to that ending, though, yeah. something which did strike me was um, when um, Ian is trying to persuade them about what the Daleks are like and what they were going to do. I love the ending of the chapter there where one of the Thals, the leader, turns around and says, well, then they will have to exterminate us. I know, it's sort of yeah. like, you know, work, you know, they can see that the only way is out is through their own death. And it's like... Yeah, yeah do you think that? Where they were going with that and sort of what they were trying to say about, you know, um, for people who didn't, you know, go into World War Two, who actually, you know, said, I'm not going to fight. I wonder if that was sort of a ah. reference to that. That's that's really interesting. Mm. Do you know, it's, it's quite strange because I've got a couple of notes here where I wanted to bring up the fact of, at the end of the day, the whole story is a bit of a slight moral dilemma I've got written that's, here. Yeah, I agree, I agree. It's that whole, probably the same moral dilemma people went through in the Second World War, do I fight or not fight? It's that whole yeah. sort of dilemma, you know, and this is my country's being taken over by Daleks, do yeah. I turn yeah. into them? And that's why I think they've always always gone with the Dalek base, and I, that's why I loved into, mm. in the, into Dalek, it's so clever that new Dalek episode. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. We're going to have to talk about that or something because it's not. A f- yeah. It's not a big favourite of ours, mate. It's not a huge. I don't know. I haven't rewatched. You, you said yourself you rewatched them new. Getting back specifically to the novel, it's yeah. in first person narrative. It really works, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Do you think it's really, really effective? I think it works because it, it, it sort, of, sort of really makes it tight and it makes it sort of your yeah. really rooting for the individual characters. Yeah. It's lo- it's lovely. It really gives that atmosphere. Did you like that part of it, Mike? I certainly did. Yeah, I think that helps with what we said about the first scene, the tension. Yeah, you feel like you are. You know, you are Ian Chesterton. You yeah. are. Uh, you are Ian going. You know, who's this stranger? Yeah. Why am I in a junk? You know, junkyard. What am I doing? You know, at the same time, it's like a friend describing to you what happened, isn't it? It's like yeah, exactly. You, you, you're, you're just compelled. Sitting, you know, yeah. If you're like me, you're sitting there going, "No, we're going to the TARDIS. Go, go." You know, we know it's the TARDIS, <laughs> and he's sort of going, "No, oh, I'm just going to go in here." Where they all gone? It's like. Yeah, yeah. Go in. Go in. <laughs> that's interesting, is it? Because yeah. as you say, Alex, we, we, that is us, isn't it? We go in, just go in. But of course, that first personality really lends it well. And what I thought about it as well, I don't know if you've heard the the big finish when which William Russell did a couple of years back, or the Rocket Men. Oh, and that one is absolutely superb. And he really? reads it, yeah, he reads it in the first person narrative, just like in this, the, the Daleks. Yeah, it really worked. Just keeps, it's got such a good pace, those two. Have. Yes. Can I just ask a question to both of you guys? You, you have knowledge more than either of the Target novels. If the Daleks are seen as the first in the Target, target range, what comes next? Does it follow then the pattern of the TV shows? I mean... Oh, is the next story told from Ian's perspective again, or do they just sort of go straight into it? Would it be Edge of Destruction next? Or I think Unearthly Child was eventually target novelised, yeah, wasn't it? But how is how does how is that different now? I suppose when we get oh. there and review it for a podcast, we'll find out. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Because yeah. partly wants to just go on to the next one that would be chronologically now, but 
That's really I think much as they've done yeah. with DVDs in the last 10 to 15 years, they just released them at random, don't they? See, I think they did the same with Target books, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. You know, very nice they are too with their introductions by Russell T. Davis and Terence Dick. Greg, you mentioned how you're struck by many of the in-depth ways in which David Whitaker writes about Ian first coming across the TARDIS. I love when he's going into the TARDIS and he says, there's a trap door under here. There's the, oh, he, yeah. he, he comes up with so many actually really good, valid, you know, you think that could that could You work. would if you, would, if you were in the situation. Well, I suppose it's a way of him dealing with being in this sort of alien ship you know he has to sort of rationalize otherwise he'll just go mad in his brain i suppose so i, I sort of like it for that reason the doctor as well he really comes quite well it's very hartnell-esque i think you oh know. yeah the, the, the sort of dialogue between him and you know test it's, it's just brilliant it's so funny this sort of first sort of dialogue between the, the doctor yeah. and him are really good yeah and that yeah the doctor is that erratic character straight away isn't he you know he's you, you know, uh, he keeps you, know, you guessing and you know immediately that it's William Hartnell. You know it's that Doctor from the first sort of scene between him and, and yeah. you know, Teston. You know it's him, yeah. definitely. He, and then the got... tension is kept up throughout, you know. As, is it the fuel link that Hartnell needs to go into the city and look for when he tricks them all, doesn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. And you get Ian's inner monologue saying, you know, I knew he would have hidden it somewhere in the TARDIS, but yes. there was no chance where it was so vast I wouldn't know where to find it. Yeah, definitely. A- absolutely. Brilliant uh, little tricks. You know, but at the same time, yeah. Ian does come across as very brave in the story, doesn't he? Immediately, you know, he doesn't. Oh yeah, he, he opts not to like have a go really at the doctor for for doing that for manipulating them in that way. Yeah, yeah. I know, but you know, it's just typical doctor. He always manipulates the people he thinks will be come out best from things. Basically, he knows yeah. he knows how to press their buttons, and he knows if he does that, and they will do what he wants them to do. Really, so he's it, sort of, I don't know, I, you know, sort of. Do you feel what he's being manipulated, Chesterton, or is it just him? It's a possible situation, really, isn't it? You know, he can't get off this planet without the Doctor, I suppose. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's the the bit he's I really He's chosen liked, to go yeah. in the TARDIS. Yeah, because when they land on the other side, the Doctor sort of changes character to go, right, we're here now, let's get on and explore. Let's yes. go. And it's like, oh, yeah, you've just kidnapped these people. Yeah. Been... I know, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> he's like, well, well, we're here now, might as well deal with it. Yeah. It's very, very so it's going to be interesting from my perspective, not having read these books, how much lighter he is later on. You know, I suppose if we skip from the start of the Hartnell era, as right, we've just yeah. done, to the Tenth Planet, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if he's oh, more humanised or because on TV Hartnell still appears. Hartnell does chill out, doesn't he, over the years? I think well, on TV a little, bit, a little bit, but he's still sort of irascible. He's still irascible. He's still. You know, I, think, I think the whole problem with you know with Bill being really ill through most of those. Yeah. Yes. Does. Mike's got a good question. We're going to ask him at the end. But can I just? Yeah. Yes couple of things what i like could each of us just give an overall impression of what they feel ultimately about this 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 first starlick story uh you know in its book form so do, mike do you want to start off a superb introduction i think to the audio uh, sort of book novelization world of doctor who i think it is a lot more exciting than the tv the tv version yeah. something i think i'd love to have seen brought to screen this is going to be a controversial thing to say but i think if they ever if the TV series ever had a hiatus again and they did go for a movie as is rumoured yeah. and they rebooted it from the very beginning I think this would be a great place to start you know? yeah. Yeah. doesn't mean it's going to happen folks doesn't yeah. mean it's going to happen please don't no, no, shoot no, me you'll start, a, you'll start a Twitter panic <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's in safe hands it is in safe hands you're not going to get you're not going to get rid of Moffat you know? something like yeah. that Barnes common scene though it's interest, yeah. very interesting that they had at the beginning of the Gates Docky drama you know an adventure in space and time they had they had Hartnell parked on Barnes common didn't they, they did. 
Yeah. yeah. Just before yeah. he's about to film his final scenes on the Tenth Planet, you know. Yeah. Before he goes to the studio, and we see the mist, and we see the police box, and that's well, just one day we may see that connected. We may see it connected. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, agree, I totally agree with Mike. Though. I think it is a brilliant book. If you if you've never heard Doctor Who or know what Doctor Who is about, get this book because it is a brilliant starter. It's extreme fun. It's that sort of romp about all the way through, and it's it's. I, I agree. It would make if they were ever going to go. Go back to basics and make a like a you know a prequel film or anything. It would be brilliant as long as they keep to the book. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I and I think. Um... Again, I I agree with both of you. I, I think it's it's an excellent, really well written book, tense but thoroughly enjoyable. Things like everlasting matches and oh, what, it's all there. Oh, it's, it's all there. Yeah, as you say, it is. Isn't I, it? I, 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 said, if, I think if you've got at this time of year, if you've got a couple of hours to kill by a fireplace, get yeah. it, sit down, and just let it completely get you. You know. That is a good point. You know, would I, would I have the feel if we were, we were in the middle of a blazing hot summer? Would I have the same feeling yeah. as when I look out the window now and see that mist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. no, exactly. No. I think it does work better at the moment when it's snowing. It's it's the right the right book right for the for this time of year. I think. Yeah. That, that's really interesting, Alex. Mike, so we've, we've, have we all said now what we thought? Really? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Here's a big question. We're gonna have a big question every podcast. Are we, Greg? Yeah. Are we? Are we, we are? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I listened to the book. I've had this feeling for a few years, probably because of the overexposure, but are the Daleks that scary anymore? Wow. I mean, they come across as quite... They, they're more menacing than the Thals in the book, but the Thals are such a placid, peace-loving people anyway. If that's not that's not easy to not be. <laughs> but um, If we're talking about Daleks in books, then I think they do come over quite menacing, but I, I sometimes think they, they've lost their edge a bit by being overused in TV. I will say... Yeah. But the problem is, I think the overexposure has has sort of degraded the menace of the Dalek, personally. But then I look at the TV show and I think, between Matt Smith's first season and his last, I think they only appeared once, so, you know, that's two and a uh, half years. Do we just see time is going so quickly because we don't get as many episodes now as we used to in the classic maybe, series? Maybe, maybe. Mm, yeah. It, it's like, like, that wasn't the greatest Matt Smith Dalek episode, though, was it? Even... So let us know your thoughts, listeners. Um, yes or no? Are they overexposed? No. Are they still scary? I think, personally, part of me, my brain wishes... I knew nothing about Doctor Who coming into this, you know. I think they would be scary enough for me yeah. if I was just a regular book reviewer well, well, of, when, when and Doctor you, Who only existed in this what we need to know is, um, medium of novelisation. People who have got children, do their children still find the Daleks scary? Are they still doing like we used to, like, you know, hide behind the sofa when they first saw them? That's, that's a very good question I'd like answered. That, that's really So send in your yeah, answers, yeah. please. Who's sending the answers? Do we want to know? Because, it, you know, that was frightening. When you first saw the Thrals, I expected all three of us, it was frightening. Yeah. Like, you know the Daleks, eh? They're scary. Mm. Send in your answers. <laughs> That's really exciting. Well, I, I think... Uh, it's been fun, this, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just to an- answer... Alex has answered that. You've answered it. What do you think, Mike? Are they still scary? What did you say? Um, not in terms of the TV context, but I realise we've mm. got to remove that from this podcast. It's so hard yeah, to... Thinking, yeah. It's so hard not to read the Doctor and visualise him as that specific Doctor, isn't it? You know? yeah. yeah, that's the trick. That is the trick. I think you've got to come at it so you have no idea what Doctor Who is. I, I, think, um, I think in the context of this book, they, they are scary. And this is yeah, an excellent yeah. starting on point because of the differences. Yeah, yeah. You know, because of the opening of Barnes yeah. Comma, because Ian and Barbara don't know each other as well as they do. Yeah. yeah I, I, the TV show. Yeah, they've the got start. that 
that madness about them, the mystery. This they still they still come across as uh, you know when they. I think the problem is these days where every every finale of the season you expect to see either them or the Cybermen. That's the problem. That's yes, right. yes, yes, yes. Although I thought Probably. Cybermen were pretty good in the last finale. I thought they were pretty scary again. Could I could I maybe round it off with um we we've discussed whether or not we still think they're scary and so forth and but how about round it off we're saying we we'd like to, is it a good idea to score these, do you think? To give a ranking, a score? Should we give a maybe, score? maybe. Yeah. So Mike, do you want to go first? What would you score? And and get your thinking caps on. Yeah. Two really memorable things from it. It's going to be easy because I'm going first because we all might repeat the same memorable things, but that doesn't really matter, does it? I'm going to go for quite a high 9 out of 10 because it's just really compelling. It keeps you in. You know, it, it very rarely has a lull in the story. Only the bits you expect from you actually see in the TV episodes like the wandering around Scarrow and yeah. everything. But I think superb tension off the top of my head, Greg. The two moments. I put it all into context now. Yeah, I remember it yeah. all. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that that really grim moment at the beginning when you find out, you know, that there's a body on the road and some crashes occurred. Yes. That's really, yeah. that's really yeah. tense and sort of just depressing, really. Yeah. 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 yeah the whole yeah. story. And uh, another one would be what I mentioned before about Ian finding out the doctor has manipulated them in terms of going down to the city to look for the fuel. Oh. You know, he's yeah. he's very stoic then for a reason. You know, he doesn't want to. I think he realizes in character as himself that if he starts a massive argument with the doctor, then it's going to make Susan and Barbara yeah. tense, isn't it? He, yeah. you know, he, he realizes that it's probably a pivotal moment for him. He realizes yeah. we're all stuck in this mess together now. Did you know, Mike, there is good characterization in this book, isn't it? Oh, think, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. Thanks for definitely, that. Definitely, yeah. Thank you. Alex, uh, two memorable moments uh, and you'll score I, out of ten, please. I will say nine again for the same reasons. It's a brilliant, good starting book. You know, if you've never heard of Doctor Who or you sort of semi know something about Doctor Who, it's a great stepping stone intro, basically. I'd say two best bits for me were like when Cheston's just getting to know TARDIS and sort of getting to find the TARDIS in the junkyard and going in and the Doctor being his sort of normal, you know, oh, this is the, you know, sort of, this is the TARDIS, you know, it's 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 the TARDIS, you know, and sort of Chester doesn't have a clue and he's trying to rationalise. Yeah. And maybe when you first see the, the Dalek City, that sort of the way it's described and all that, basically, I really mm. loved. I I feel obliged, but I want to give a nine out of ten score as well. It's mm. a really really good book. Um, my two memorable moments. I was going to say the, the one you just said, Alex, with the, oh, yeah. the description of the city because it's really good. I, I, I also quite like um, the ending of the book where they decide to go with the Doctor, don't they? Yes. Yeah, they, yeah they, they choose to go with him. Yeah. And there's still that air of tension there, isn't there? You know? Yeah. Where are we going to go next? But know, it, which but it, which is understandable. But it's nice, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. Do go, I, I sometimes wish that air of tension was still there to this these days. Like, like yeah. when they obviously, like in, the, like in the last Christmas, where he made her mind to go with him, there was no tension. No, no, that's that's right, there's no tension, yeah. So it's a whopping nine points each out of ten for The Daleks by David Whittaker, audiobook read by William Russell, so that's 27 out of 30. Fantastic. A good start. And could I say as well, two things we didn't mention, which I think uh, you know, are really interesting. The, the drawings and the fantastic cover. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Do, we all, do we all agree? Do we all like the drawings? Yeah, that's just oh, a, a very... 
iconic Hartnell picture, isn't it? Really yeah. recreated. That was, the, that was the great thing about Target Runs. They always had fantastic covers. Yes, yeah. Beautiful covers, beautiful covers. And could I just say that when I was first collecting them, I was about eight, nine years old. Yeah. And um, I had maybe sort of seven or eight of these Target novels. And a friend of mine in school said, oh, I've got a Doctor Who book you, you can have. You can have it if you want. Come over to my house. And I went over. He said, um, yeah, he went and got it for me. And it was Doctor Who and the Daleks, this this oh, very yeah. story. But when he showed it to me, it had this strange painted blue cover with a red cloak. And I said, yeah. yeah. And I said, I don't want that because it does match my my collection. Only for me to find out that that was actually the original first edition. And it's worth more. It's worth more, and I... And you missed out on it. Oh, but hang on, fellows. Only 27 out of 30. Hmm. What confounded arrogance. I shall see you next month for the 10th planet. Excellent. Next time on Who's on Target, we review the very first regeneration story, Doctor Who and the Tenth Planet, written by Jerry Davis. Please email us with any views you might have at whosontarget at gmail.com. Who's on Target was brought to you by Greg James, Michael Winks and Alexander Gibbons, who appeared via video call. Music by Didier Derbyshire, Ron Grainer. Arrangement by YouTube user Bendy Keys Music. No copyright infringement intended. Who's on Target Podcast 1 was recorded in Swansea, South Wales, during February 2015.